And um, before we get started, I just had two uh, preliminaries before we get into uh, God's Word today. One of them being uh, that uh, colored insert. Make sure you got that out as we go through God's Word together and uh, pray that's a blessing for you. And then the second one is also preliminary to our message, and that is, uh, you remember last week that we had um, given all of us the, I guess, challenge to send in selfies. Uh, We got a number of them. I'm hoping for even more this week. And so uh, there were a lot of good ones. Uh, This week's selfie of the week I'm going to show right now, it's on the on the screen. Um, this is from the Krinhop family at uh, the Wild Game this week. They were thinking about church and thinking about uh, their church family during the Wild Game. And so um, the Krinhops this week uh, got the selfie of the week. Everyone's smiling. So that's a, that's a good start when you're out as a family, right? Um, all right. So we're sending in selfies and maybe as we launch from that picture, the uh, question might be why. And if you remember, uh, one of the reasons is just like to have fun. Did you know that Christians can have fun even at church and things and to enjoy ourselves? And yeah, you knew that. And so one of them is just purely to have fun, to see the the neat pictures of people that we know. Uh, The other reason has a lot to do with the the theme and the direction of this series. And that is that as we send pictures of who we are, um, I want you, just like God does, to, to celebrate who you are. To celebrate, as we learned last week, who you are. And, and if you remember from last week, um, we're not doing this celebration in a way that just ignores reality or sugarcoats things. Um, you, you might have celebrated certain things about yourself or others with a little bit of, uh, of that, of a sugarcoating. Uh, for instance, um, let's imagine that you're going to Great Aunt Harriet's for Thanksgiving. And for some reason, Great Aunt Harriet decides to mess with uh, the meal in the sense that she, instead of having turkey, is going to make something she's never made before. Because it's an important meal and she really wants to just, you know, change it up. And as you try uh, Aunt Harriet's new creation you have a hard time swallowing the first bite and you are very perplexed because in front of you is a plate filled with about 10 more bites that you're going to have to get down during this meal. And then great Aunt Harriet, who is so excited to see what you think, asks the ominous question, so what do you think? And I suppose you could just, you know, be really honest with her and give it, you know, full blast about what you think. But usually wisdom would say you would sugarcoat some things. And you might instead say something like, you know, Aunt Harriet, I don't know if I've ever tasted anything quite like this before, you know. And so you're not being mean. At the same time, you're not lying. And uh, we tend to do that sometimes. That we, whether it's about ourselves or about other people, we can, you know, sugarcoat some things in order to celebrate. And and last week, we just started with being very honest. And our first fill-in last week was a very difficult one. We looked at how we're not good people by nature. And remember, we, we talked about how if you're not sure if you believe that, then try not sinning. Try being good, okay, all day. 
we talked about how you have, many of us have the desire to be an awesome spouse, and we kind of know what that looks like, and yet none of us are likely just awesome, perfect spouses. I know none of us are perfect spouses. Why? What is that? It's because we're not good by nature. By nature, we battle and struggle with sin. And so there's this gap between who we want to be and who we can be. And that gap is our, our sinful nature that makes it impossible to be who we want to be, who God wants us to be. And so we celebrate who we are, dot, 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 in, anyone remember? Anyone awake? In Jesus or in Christ. Yeah, in Christ, exactly. We celebrate who we are, dot, 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 in Christ. All right. So this week, I I brought something here that I wanted to uh, show you and to reveal to you. So without further ado, I'm just going to uh, show you what I got under the table. So... um, yeah, this is pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> this is all the candy, minus some that was eaten, that my kids collected uh, together, put together, about a week and a half ago. This is like, in many children's view, like just paradise. Running your fingers through some good, you know, sugary goodness that is so much it doesn't even stay on the table. Or you might see this as, you know, possibly diabetes waiting to happen. Might be another, another thing you might view this as. Um, lots and lots of sugar. Now here's, here's the amazing thing about Halloween candy. My kids got it all for free. Just walked around, knocked on doors, and people were giving out stuff, giving out candy. It's pretty amazing. Now as a pastor, this is, this is a clue that you know that I am a pastor, because I look at something like this and I think, that's a great sermon illustration. I look at all this candy and think, wow, this is just a great thing, a great example of how God works. You see, all of this candy given for free, it reminds me of the overflowing grace and forgiveness that God gives to each one of us for free. You you see this table overflowing with all this sugary goodness, and it's a picture, I think, of God and how his grace just overflows in our lives and as he applies it to us and to each and every sin. In fact, when it comes to the overflowing nature of God's grace, his forgiveness, it it makes me think of a, a verse that was just right before the section we're going to be looking at today. It's from Romans chapter um, 5. Paul wrote that where sin increases, grace increases even more. Where sin is, grace is even more plentiful, even more bountiful. And that leads us to our first filling, that God's grace... His love, his undeserved love, is always bigger than our sin. Now, as I look around, I see people here at this service, everyone here I know. And I know all of you know about Jesus' grace before you came here this morning. But the fact that God's grace is always bigger than our sin is something that even though you know this, sometimes we don't always apply this to our lives. And and some of us are struggling with guilt over 
something from the past a long time ago that we just feel is too big for God's forgiveness, and we've been carrying it around like a, a trailer filled with, you know, baggage for a long time. Other of us, others of us are so down right now because we just keep running into the same problems, the same doubt, the same mistrust, the same sin, whatever it might be. And just because we know this to be true does not mean that we always take it to heart. I, I pray that today, as you look at this big table of candy, that you would come with the Holy Spirit's help to just have that truth pounded down into your heart, to stop carrying the guilt around, that God's grace is bigger than your sin. Now, when you look at this candy and you, you, you think about having this in your house, that's why it's here and not at the house, <laughs> because having this much candy in the house can be very tempting. And it's tempting to abuse the candy that you've been given and to think, you know what, my goal is just to eat as much as I can, as quickly as I can, because it's there for me. And what happens if that's your goal? You get sick, right? Your goal with candy should not be, see how much I can eat as quickly as I can. Can I, can I relate this back to God's grace? I think sometimes the knowledge of knowing that God's grace is so plentiful and so bountiful and the peace that comes with it is great, but sometimes on the flip side, on the other side of the scale, we need to remember that we shouldn't abuse God's grace. How would we abuse it? Like we might abuse candy. Just because it's there, God's grace, doesn't mean that we need to use as much of it as we possibly can. Let me say this another way. Some people tend, and you've done this too, just like I have done. Some people, we tend to at times sort of argue ourselves into something we know is wrong. Because we know that there's candy in the pantry or we know that God's grace is pl plentiful. And where my sin increases, grace increases even more, Paul writes. And so sometimes we might be guilty, we might be tempted to use the free forgiveness of Jesus as a license to do whatever we want. Because God is love and God will forgive me later. Now, Paul, when he was writing the letter of Romans, wrote a whole lot about the free nature of grace. In fact, the key word in Romans is the, the word justification. We're not going to bump into that word today, but it means that you're declared not guilty. It's one of the, the key words in, in Romans. And Paul also knew that as he wrote about God's free grace, he was going to need to be balanced. That grace is plentiful, like Halloween candy, even more so. But that he needed to, to balance things out because he knows how people think. And he knows how we can manipulate or use God's free grace as a license to do whatever we want. And so that leads us into chapter 2, verse 1. Paul writes, What shall we say then? <clears throat> then, referring to back to what he had just written 
Again, he wrote about how God's grace is plentiful, where sin increases, grace increases even more. So what should we say about it? Shall we go on sinning then so that grace may increase even more? (laughs) Got all this candy. Should we just keep eating and eating? Because it's there. Is it okay just to keep on sinning and sinning because grace is there? Verse 2 says, by no means. Or literally, may this never happen. Our second fill-in is this, that God's limitless grace is not a license to sin. Our goal as a Christian should not be, and and you know this, but I'm just going to say it, should not be to see how much grace we can use up just because it's there. How does that type of thinking happen? How does this type of, you know, just purely getting stuff from God type of thinking happen? You you know how that type of thinking can happen? It's when we, we, we view God as merely a person who gives us stuff. As we view faith as merely or just an avenue to get stuff, namely grace and forgiveness from God. When we view God that way, I believe that we're likely going to sin more and worry about our actions less because God is just some, someone who gives you stuff. And he's got plenty of it. But you know how that changes? You know how we find more joy, satisfaction, and purpose and just living for God, living for Christ. It's when we realize that God and faith, faith in God is more than just God giving us something. That when we came to faith, there was a transformation that happened inside of each one of us. And as Paul says, by no means, don't do that. Don't just keep on sinning so grace can increase. He then transitions into what that transformation is. A transformation that when we understand it will help you to better understand who you are. I'm going to warn you that these are some deeper words. And so especially at the 8 o'clock service, (laughs) You're going to have to stick with me. Keep your heart and mind engaged with me. Our our next verse goes like this. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. May that never happen. Why? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? It's a pretty huge statement. That inside of you, when you came to faith in Jesus, there was something that died. Every time you think of death, you need to think of a separation of something. And so the first died to sin aspect of what we're separated from when it comes to death to sin is that when we came to faith, we were separated from the penalty of sin. That's the central message of the Bible. That's the thing you first think about when you think of what is ours through faith. That's the essence of grace. 
That the penalty of sin has been removed. That we're going to be in heaven someday when we die because of what Jesus has done for us. There's also, though, something else that happens. A different separation that happens when we come to faith. And for that, I'm just going to skip ahead to verse 6 for a moment. Paul picks up that same sort of death idea of what's going on inside us. For we know that when we come to faith... Because of Jesus, our old self was crucified. That sinful nature from last week? In a very real way, Paul writes, and again, we're getting deep here, but in a very real way, when Jesus was crucified, part of you, your sinful nature, was nailed with him to the cross. It was crucified with him as well, so that the body of sin might be done away with. That, what does that mean? That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So when we come to faith, there's a transformation that happens. We are separated from the penalty of sin. That's death and hell. We're also here separated from the power of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Slaves in what sense? At one time, before Christ, before faith... It was as if your hands were shackled and sin led you around wherever it wanted you to go. That before faith and before the Holy Spirit lived in your heart, that we could not do good. We could not be good. We could not be godly. Sin made us its slave. The devil made us his slave. But when the sinful nature was crucified... It's still around? You still sin? We established that last week. But you got to understand something that's, that is just an amazingly amazing thing, is that no longer do you have to follow the direction of sin. That through God in us and through Jesus' power in us, you have the power to say no to sin. Not by yourself with God. Not perfectly, but I will say this. The more you grow in grace, the stronger your faith gets, the more we will be able to say no to sin. The more strength, the more power we will have to ignore the ways of the world and to say yes to righteousness, to say yes to Christ. Anyone who has died has been freed from sin. What an amazing transformation. (laughs) Going from not being able to do anything good in God's eyes to still being sinful, but being able to have the power to say yes to God and no to sin. When did that happen? I'm going to go back a second now to verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Now, there, as many of you know, are a few, two major teachings about baptism um, in the world, in America. One of them is that baptism is something that you do for God. It's your declaration of who you already are. What the Bible says, though, 
is something different than that. That baptism is something that God does in us. That at baptism, God does something in us. What does he do? When you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. When did your transformation happen? Well, if you were baptized as a child, the Bible says it happened when you were baptized. And so guess what is one of the most important days of your entire life, if not the most important? Not the day you married your bride. That's one of them. But what is the most important one? I would say it's your baptism. Because it's on that day that you can continue to look back to that and say, am I a child of God? Have I been freed from the slavery of sin? And I would ask you, have you been baptized? And Paul says, all you who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. What an amazing blessing baptism is. Verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, if his death is our death, we will also certainly be united with him in his resurrection. As I mentioned before, don't ever forget that the greatest blessing of faith in Jesus, that relationship, is that you know that you will be with Jesus forever in heaven. But there's another blessing that happens when you came to faith. Not just merely God gave you something. God changed you. God transformed us. His death became our death. His resurrection became our resurrection. We went from sinner to being clean. And then there's relationship that happened. Part of our transformation was a new relationship. Verse 5, we've been united with him. There's a relationship with God that happened when we came to faith. In fact, where Jesus at times in the Bible is even called our brother. It's pretty amazing. Now, going back to what we talked about before. If our relationship with God is just transactional, basically I'm here because I'm going to get something from God. I'm a Christian because I want something from God. Living for him on a daily basis is going to be a challenge. Because all we really want from God is to get stuff. We don't want to give him something. It's like God's our heavenly candy supplier or heavenly ATM. Do you know when action happens? Do you know when living for God becomes easier? When you change your mindset. When you recognize what Paul wrote. That our relationship, that we are, don't just have a transactional relationship with God, but that we have a real relationship with Him. And relationship changes action. Can, can I... Can I bring this home a little bit more. Um, 
think about other relationships, and it makes me think of my college roommate. Um, while I was in college, uh, he dated a number of different girls, but never had a real long relationship with any of them because, uh, well, because he just, you know, wanted to live for himself. Um, and, and there was nothing wrong with that. It wasn't that he was selfish in all ways, but he was more interested in the things that he liked than in, I guess, giving of himself to a girl at that time. He, you know, he was, a, he was a, one of those outdoorsmen that, you know, I'm not, uh, but that is, I think, really a cool thing. This is the time of year, you know, where he'd be going hunting before class started, and he always wore flannel, and he drove a Jeep and boots all the time, and just, you know, the classic outdoorsman, right? It's no surprise that he didn't have a strong relationship with a girl during college. About two years after uh, college or so, we were talking on the phone, and he said he met someone and that it was really serious. About a month after that, they got engaged to be married, actually, after having met maybe two months. The next time I saw him or was with him, totally different guy. He wasn't wearing flannel. Which, flannel's okay, you know, but he, his, his girl didn't want him wearing flannel, so he didn't wear flannel. He acted different. He didn't go hunting as much. He, he just was a totally different person. Why? Relationship. When you realize someone loves you, when you love them, actions are not as hard. They still are hard. We're sinners. But it becomes easier because relationship changes things. If we want our selfie as a Christian to be an action photo, there's no other way for that to happen than to dwell on the relationship that God has given to you and the transformation that made that relationship possible. Through it, our next villain, God has given us a new way to live. Not just a new way to die and live eternally, but a new way to live right now. And so what is our take-home for today? What is it that we, God is, through Paul, directing us to do as we dwell on this? For that, I just want to skip ahead to our last verse of this section, verse 11. Paul gives us a command. He says, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know how you have to eat often in order to live physically? You know how you have to sleep enough in order to be healthy physically? What do we do spiritually in order that we respond to grace the way we should? Paul tells us, that we daily need to dwell on this truth, that we need to daily count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. We need to ruminate, think about, and remember this simple truth every day. Because the, the attitude of the mind changes the way we live. And the way God wants us to live is is in a new way based on transformation, not on based on getting something from God like candy on Halloween. 
That change of mind will change your action. One last illustration. Back in the early 1900s, people in the San Francisco area, the Bay Area, were talking about uh, um, building a bridge across uh, the Bay. And back then, even more than now, building a bridge was uh, a dangerous occupation. Uh, People, many people would die, and this bridge in particular was uh, even more difficult because the winds whipped around so much. So within the first couple years of of building, 11, uh, 11 people fell to their death at building this bridge. So Johann Strauss, uh, who was uh, the architect in charge, he uh, wanted to figure out something to do about it. And so he did something that was unprecedented. Um, oh, I guess the bridge, the picture's already up. It, um, he built a net that cost at that time about $130,000, which you can just imagine about 100 years later how much it would cost in our uh, money with inflation to be a blessing to the people building. That net, that safety net, was an amazing blessing to them. Uh, Over 20 people uh, fell into the net after that and were, were saved as opposed to having died. And one other thing that Johann Strauss discovered is that as he had this net for the people, that the efficiency and the work uh, efficiency of the people increased. That in fact, because they no longer needed to think about death, that it affected the way they worked. And that in fact, the Net kind of paid for itself in the amount of time that they saved in building the bridge. My friends, we have this amazing safety net. A safety net that although we're sinners, that we will, when we die, not fall to our death eternally. But that we have been saved eternally. And the knowledge of that change needs to change our attitude, needs to change our action. Not because we're trying to work our way into God's good graces, but because we're already there, because he's already saved us. And so our last fill-in, be who you already are. You're transformed. Live that way with God's help. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and thank you for the safety net that you've given to us. We thank you that you have given us relationship through Jesus that we might call you our Father. Lord, help us to each day count ourselves dead to sin but alive to you in Christ Jesus. And may we in our actions be ones who show our faith in what we do. We pray all this in in Jesus' name and also pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever and ever.